Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the Pie Factory podcast. Pie Factory? I mean, Pie Factory sounds kind of dirty. Heidi ho there, friends and neighbors. Welcome once again to another... I, I can't use this line because I use it on my other podcast. I say action-packed, side-splitting episode of the Pie Factory, but I can't use that because that's kind of like the trademark of my other podcast. I got to think of something clever here. Um, well, what you just said, we're going to have Hyde edited out, so don't worry. Oh, well, there you go. So, um, welcome witty comment here uh, from, the, from the Pie Factory. I almost said the name of my other podcast. Well, ugh. Gosh. Anyway, from uh, Morris, Illinois, this is uh, Jimmy G. And from Chicago, Illinois, this is Sean E.C. So, how you doing, Sean? Um, I don't know. I'm kind of happy it's not the weekend anymore, so that tells you how much, how wonderful my weekend was. Uh, don't, don't get me... St- well, actually, no, I can't complain because we went, uh, we took a drive over to uh, the south side of Chicago to the visit the newest unit of the National Park Service, so that was kind of fun. So, hey, uh, Sean, you got any, uh, got any news, any happenings, any... I was going to say nidbits, I was, nibble, <laughs> nibbles or tidbits or uh, whatever. Nidbits. You got any news? Any of you out there who happen to uh, work for one of the many fine arcades throughout this uh, country or this entire world for that matter Uh, if you have any upcoming events you want us to mention feel free to reach out to us you can hear all of our contact info at the end of each show so um, and just off the top of my head i know galloping ghost has a t20 tournament if you will coming up soon uh may 28th through may 31st you can uh, get some further information on that from galloping ghost webpage. and if there's anything else that i'm missing i'm sure people out there who either patronize or work for other arcades will be uh reaching out to uh update us don't patronize me oh wait a minute that's patronized so what is this t20 tournament i'm assuming with something to do with terminator 2 i really have no idea because i don't think they're actually going to announce the games until right before it starts so do you have any news no not any news so much as some addendums to last week's show we were talking about firefox and one of the things is that that chrome is a better browser i disagree but oh well (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm going to have to have a drinking game. And every time that I say something like uh, the problem with that is or, or, or the situation with this or something like that. So, you know, take a drink of whatever you happen right. to have there. But but uh, the thing with um, with Firefox, I was under the impression that the airplanes in uh, in the game were actually superimposed with computer-generated graphics by the uh, whatever video processor the machine has. I was wrong. Um, I found a video on YouTube of the Firefox LaserDisc game from start to finish. It wasn't the game being played, it was just the whole LaserDisc being played. The uh, airplanes were actually in the LaserDisc video. And what happens is is that there's a ton of, like, cut screens. I mean, some of them are, like, half a second to a couple of seconds long. And uh, some of them have it, the enemy aircraft flies off the screen. Some of them have it to where you actually shot them down. And I thought that was extremely interesting because if you watch it from start to finish, the laser disc, there'll be a lot many times where you'll they'll just like stutter or show like the same scene over and over and over. And when you watch the whole video, the whole thing is only like about eight, maybe nine minutes. It's 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 really weird because you this was a technological marvel with the way they did it because they were all constantly switching track right in the middle. And there was no pause between 
uh, when you would, would shoot something, at least not very noticeable, not like a dragon's lair or something, where sometimes you would get like a, a black screen or, or just like some weird cut. And I just thought that was really, really incredible what they did with that. And um, we will uh, we'll link to the this video in the show notes. It was just, I thought it was amazing. You could see, uh, get a glimpse behind the technology. I'm glad that you brought all this up because it really explains something. You might remember how I cannot properly run Firefox in, in MAME on, on either of my computers. Uh-huh. What happens is in, I basically get a black screen with orange text and... I sure enough couldn't see the airplanes. All I could see was like headlights, taillights, and that's yeah. it. That's how I knew where to fire, I think, you know? Yeah, and, and that, they're, 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 like you said, it does really explain a lot. It's really interesting. It's kind of irritating to watch because of the uh, the sound keeps jumping because of just the way the laser disc is. But it's still interesting from a uh, technological perspective of everything that they were doing with that machine and how many times that, it, like I said, it was switching tracks and it would do it boom just on a moment's notice. I thought that was really incredible. The same guy, uh, he has got a lot of Atari stuff up on his page. I did not know this, but apparently. Atari was working on a conversion kit for the Firefox cabinet, and I did not know this. It only got to um, a prototype LaserDisc screen, which he has archived on his YouTube page. Atari got another major license for the conversion kit for Firefox, Battlestar Galactica. Atari actually had the license to make a game based on that, and they were going to do the whole LaserDisc thing, and apparently, if you watch the video, it was set up the same way... Uh, the disc is set up the same way as the Firefox, where it kind of the audio and video skips, you know, based on the uh, selection. Apparently, they only got the LaserDisc video done. Uh, they actually did not get the ROM programmed uh, because at that point, Atari decided there was no future in uh, LaserDisc games because there was people just didn't really like them. I mean, they took in a lot of money at first because they were a curiosity, but then the arcade stopped doing them because people were just tired of them. Eventually, the arcade industry would uh, release. Games like Mad Dog McCree and uh, Dragon's Lair 2, but for the most part, that was an anomaly. It's interesting I bring this up because this week No Quarter uh, is uh, doing the game Space Ace, another game that I was no good at. Ah, speaking of that, we've got uh, we got some games to talk about uh, this week, don't we? We do, and uh, something I want to touch upon from uh, prior shows as well, just to keep everybody up to date. I had wondered aloud last episode as to whether it was possible to, say, replace a Laserdisc with a solid-state technology. Yeah. All I had to do was look on YouTube, and sure enough, somebody has actually done that with Firefox. Oh, no kidding. No kidding. Running off a compact flashcard. Awesome. They actually did. They took out the Laserdisc, put in an actual modern technology. And I also want to kind of touch back on some uh, feedback we've gotten just to acknowledge some things. Sure. Uh, something I had totally f- never knew about with Donkey Kong, we're going back to uh, episode one here, Bing. is that apparently, well, not apparently, but definitely, if Mario climbs up the ladder in the barrel stage, mm-hmm. just all the way to the top of the ladder, a barrel is not going to come down on his head. If he just stays right below the, the, uh, the girder. I, I guess you call it. I beam. had heard this, and I want to think that I had actually heard about that on uh, uh, the King of Kong documentary, actually. And uh, yeah, I have noticed that. I was still kind of iffy, so I kind of like wait off to the side of a ladder. But yeah, I mean that that technique does indeed work. Tried it a couple of times, and yeah, it af- absolutely did. So thanks to uh, Chris Plus Plus and Atari Age for. Uh, for that little hint. And uh, something else I kind of I also want to go back on. Uh, this is, again, Donkey Kong feedback. 
I had mentioned how, uh, I don't remember exactly what it was, but something about how uh, I was getting so frustrated that I'm sure that the staff at Underground Retrocade was not happy with the uh, things that I might have let loose. Well, Scott Lambert heard that and said, believe me, I'd much rather have you do that than what uh, some some other people might be doing to our machines, abusing them mm-hmm. and uh, doing what they, did, what they did in the arcades back in the 80s, i.e. use the arcade as a hang out to do drug deals and things, but he's like, believe me, come up with uh, with as colorful language as you need to. <laughs> yeah, I remember back in the days, I never got approached by any drug dealers because I think I was the one dealing... No, I never did that. Sure you didn't. Full disclosure, I honestly had no idea that was happening until probably about a year ago when I was watching uh, Chasing Ghosts. The thing with the uh, the drug dealing, I don't think you saw it in kind of like the uh, the smaller arcades that you found in the mall but like the bigger ones that were in part of part of like bowling alleys or maybe not too good neighborhoods or maybe even just some of the larger arcade malls like the one they used to have at lincoln mall which there was uh, there was this one arcade that me and a high school friend would go to whenever i was over at his house it was up in naperville's called gala lanes which uh, they had actually this another one down in bradley where i had lived for a while yeah, yeah, Gala Lanes, and they had a, um arcade called Galaxy World. The one in Naperville had the same thing. And um, I could see an arcade like that attracting an unsavory uh, element, if you will. And when I say unsavory, I don't mean that they were sweet, sour, or uh, umami either. But yeah, I mean, I could easily see a place. Those were the dark places where there was just, like, nobody paying attention or monitoring the place because they were too busy uh, spraying that disinfectant spray into bowling shoes. But uh, but you got your the smaller arcades in the mall. You had the attendant out there all the time, so you didn't really see that going on in those places. Yeah, I didn't think so. But yeah, I, abs- I absolutely remember. And thank God for those attendants who are all over because hey, I got a free game of Donkey Kong out of there, like I mentioned before. And one more thing about the Donkey Kong barrel level, I totally forgot to mention this, but apparently after a couple of levels, you can if not directly control, you can highly influence the movement of the barrels. Oh? Which, had I known before, and I watched, um, oh, a friend of mine sent me a link to a, a oh, you know what it was? Uh, somebody was streaming, I think, a, um, a, a world record attempt at Donkey Kong, and I actually saw, I actually saw that in action. This guy was obviously controlling the barrels. Wow! Based on, like, where you move, it's it's hard to explain, but Basically it's kind of almost like a uh, Pac-Man pattern. I guess so. That's that's the closest I could think to it. Wow, I never never thought about that, but uh, with the way that they have the logic of some of this stuff programmed, it's plausible, as the uh, Mythbusters would say. So do you have anything further to add, um, uh, catching up on prior uh, Pie Factory podcast oh, So We have such a large back catalog. We got one, one two, three, no, <laughs> three episodes. Well, this is technically three. We had a zero. Nothing really more to add on that. But, wow, I mean, that Donkey Kong thing, like I said, doesn't really surprise me. So, um, what do you say we talk about uh, this week's first first game here? I say we talk about this week's first game here. All righty, then. So, you want to take this one? Well, um, sure. Um, the first game we're going to talk about this week, we're going in alphabetical order this week, so I figured let's start with Zaxxon. Ah, Zaxxon. A total classic. Total classic. For the, called Zaxxon. Solid gold. A 1982, what they call an isometric shooter. Ah, yes. Released by Sega. And I might as well, hey, since you handed me the floor, which is very heavy, by the way, 
I might as well take this opportunity to share my memories of Zaxxon. The first earliest memory of Zaxxon, the Venture Store. Remember Venture? Oh, yeah. They were all over, and they were probably one of the better uh, discount stores. Yeah, those of you who uh, who didn't live in an area where there are venture stores, they're basically Target, maybe uh, Caldor for those of you on the East Coast, the, one of those kinds of stores. But there was a venture store, <laughs> again, right outside the Lincoln Mall. We mentioned Lincoln Mall a lot in this uh, podcast. But my brother actually used to play Zaxxon all the time at that store. And my biggest memory is simply that whenever he got the high score screen, he would enter his name as Ace for some reason. That's not his name. And as for me, I never played Zaxxon, and, and hand to God, I never played Zaxxon until probably about two years ago. Wow, really? Really. Fascinating. I saw it all the time, I just never played it. I remember the very first time I ever played Zaxxon was at the, uh, the Putt-Putt Golf and Games on Essington Road in Joliet. It is no longer there now. It is a, it's been turned into a strip mall. And after they closed up, someone else bought it out. And they changed it and themed it to, like, I don't know, like, uh, tropical with, like, palm trees and that sort of thing. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's long gone. However, the ice cream place that's set up shop next door is still there. That was the very first place I uh, actually saw Zaxxon. And quite frankly, in the Joliet area, that was actually probably my favorite arcade, even though I... Uh, Got along really well with the uh, the guy who ran the arcade in the Louis Joliet Mall, especially when I worked at the A&W in the, in the food court there back in the day. <laughs> I hope Ferg's not listening because I know he hates that whole back in the day thing. B-I-T-D. Bitted. Bitte. You know what? Instead of, instead of saying back in the day, I'll just go out in German and say bitte, which means good. It also means you're welcome. I saw a comedian on TV one time. He was talking about language. He was like, if you're talking about love in Italian, it's uh, l'amour. In French, it's je t'aime. In German, it's ich liebe. <laughs> love that. But um, but yeah, I mean, Zaxxon, I uh, always kind of enjoyed the game. Um, even I was never really that good at it, uh, but I enjoyed it. I could frequently get to the robot Zaxxon. I don't think I have ever, ever destroyed him until like early last year. Uh, I think it was the very first time I ever did. Either I would lose all of my lives getting zapped by his missile, or he would uh, shoot the missile at me and then disappear off the screen, and I would go on to the next round. Well, let me tell you how far I've I've gotten. I'll tell it to you in points, actually. These are the last, let's see, one to eight times that I played Zaxxon. And this was on an actual Zaxxon machine. It wasn't through MAME. Okay. My eight most recent scores, from oldest to newest, are 1,500, mm-hmm. 1,550, 4,550, 4,950, 3,550, 7,750, which, by the way, is the one that was refereed for Arcade.com. Hugely important score there. Oh, yeah. 1,850 and 4,750. Well, you were getting better at one point. And then I started getting worse again. And just for comparison's sake, according to Arcade.com, this is uh, the second episode in a row in which uh, I'm mentioning that the Arcade high score comes from Richie Knuckles' Arcade. Whoa. Comes dun, dun, dun. Are you hearing weird stuff? Just me. Okay. Um, all right. Take two. This is the second episode in a row in which the Arcade.com high score that I'm referring to comes from the Richie Knuckles Arcade in Flemington, <clears throat> New Jersey. Um, <laughs> On Ding! August twenty third, two 
August 9th, 2009, Donald Hayes scored 717,150. That is um, about 100 times my highest score. However, if we flip over to Twin Galaxies, their record set on March 15th, 1982 by Vernon Kalinikaus. I guess that's how it's pronounced. I'm guessing that that gentleman is um, Lithuanian. This person scored 4,680,740. My question for anybody who scores higher than about 7,000 is how? How can you do that? This is a very lovely looking game. It's got great graphics. It's got really nice sounds. It's got a cool control panel. It's got the trigger with the button on it. And if you don't like the button on it, you can use the fire buttons on either side. So it's left-handed, it's right-handed. The trigger lights up when you fire. All that really is awesome. Except how do you freaking play the game? I cannot tell where the hell I am in this game. I can't tell how high up off the ground I am. I can't tell if I'm aiming correctly at things. I can't, all I know is that if I want to hit a gas tank, I got to go all the way to the bottom. That I can do with no problem. But man, I cannot freaking play this game. You know, in my experience, that uh, they got an altitude uh, gauge to the left of the screen. That thing is pretty much useless because you're not really... It, it only shows you where you are in relation to the position of your, your ship, where it is. And it doesn't help you line up with stuff that's coming down the pike. The best thing for that is to always be shooting. Especially in the second asteroid where you've got to go through the hole in the wall with the laser gates going over the top. If you're shooting something and you see it blow up against the, the wall or blow up against the force shield, you know you're going to die. You just got to wait. You just got to keep shooting and get to the level to where you see that shot go right through and you know that you're going to be safe there. That's the thing. You, you just cannot stop shooting in this game if you really want to play it well and to judge your height. The uh, second sequence between the two asteroids, the space scene, I always have trouble with that. In fact, I think that's Me actually too. harder than the others because it's really hard to judge where you are. Now, they help you out a bit with um, the, uh, the enemy airplanes getting smaller if they're at the bottom and bigger if they're at the top. I don't remember if your ship does or not. I'll have to double check that. When you're lined up, and they do give you a little uh, a crosshair that you can use to shoot. When you get that, the, the enemy spacecraft have pretty much probably already fired and killed you by then. So that's not, you know, really good. On that screen, I just tend to stay at the top. Uh, another thing, at the top is where the uh, there's sometimes a satellite that comes through. In my experience, from what I've played, if you're gonna, if you want to shoot that, you got to stay at the top because it comes in at the uh, the top right and goes out at the top left. I could never shoot that thing. Stay at the top and you can shoot it. You, that's where you'll have the chance to shoot it. I think there's two of them. I think so. I think they're one, I think they one shows up, and then a few minutes later you get the other one. I've gotten to Zaxxon at the end of the second asteroid, but I have never been able to kill him until, like I said, I think it was last year. And um, I don't even think I was actually even cheating on that one. It's just hard. I mean, because one of the things with Zaxxon, you think you're going to be safe if you in, on the asteroid screens if you're hovering at the top. But the problem is, is you've got, it shoots missiles up from the bottom of the screen. And then every now and then, a guided missile will come from in front of you and try to hit your thing. And it takes like five or six shots. I think it's six shots to destroy that. Now, how you destroy Zaxxon is you got to line yourself up with his missile. It's the same homing missile that gets you earlier. And uh, you got to deliver six shots while it's still in the missile bay on Zaxxon. But the problem 
is, is that once again, it's in lining up your shots. That is hard to do, even though it stays basically at the same level, going left and right. And I think he does elevate ever so slightly up and down to make it to where if you once you have it lined up, that it's really, really hard to take care of. I just absolutely, totally hate that. Well, I've never gotten far enough to have an opinion on that. <laughs> that doesn't stop me with politics. Alrighty. This is one game when, I, if I see this in an arcade, I will reluctantly play it. I don't know why I do, why I bother. Maybe it's because, again, because of the graphics and the sound and the nice control panel. But I go there and I always, always, always suck. It makes me angry. I'm not very good at the game myself either, but I like it. I, I mean, I think it's a fun game. I think it's one of those ones where I think I'm going to get, you know, succeed in it. But it's little things with just judging where you are height-wise that really throws me off. I mean, graphically, it is probably one of the more most gorgeous games in that era. No doubt. And the I, I enjoy the sound, um, the explosion. I just love that the the sound like it's got the the heavy bass you know when you blow something up just awesome that is one of my favorite sound effects and um, it's got some good sounds in that game yeah it does there's no music you don't need music in a game like that but the one thing that strikes me is the uh, the game scramble just in a 3D perspective I can see that and I'm wondering how Zaxxon would be if you also had bombs. Now, just think about that for yeah. a minute. If you could play Zaxxon and you had bombs, I don't know if it would necessarily make the game any easier because you still have a lot of things going on, and that's the one thing with the 3D perspective is while Scramble and especially Super Cobra have a lot of things going on, Zaxxon has a ton of things going on at the same time. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I would love to see somebody hack Zaxxon to uh, to use bombs. Just throwing that out there. That would be interesting. I, I personally think it would be... It, I don't know if it would make it easier, but it would probably make it a little bit more scorable. You could shoot in two directions at once, stuff under you, stuff ahead of you. I once had a uh, an idea for a Zaxxon sequel, but uh, we got Super Zaxxon, which is basically the same thing, souped-up graphics, and an easier kind of space scene between the asteroids. But I had an idea for a Zaxxon game where you would have the regular joystick with, with, the, uh, with the trigger, but then you would also have a, a separate one. It'd be kind of more like a lever um, that you see that you could use to raise your height. So what would the four-way joystick would make you go forward, straight, left, or right. And so the other one would raise and lower you. And it would basically allow you to fly in all directions. It would give you true X, Y, and Z positioning. Uh, the asteroid could go however far it wanted to to the left and right and just tons of stuff to explore. That would probably be pretty, uh, pretty ambitious for the era. But um, I would like to see a game like that, where you had a little more freedom to explore instead of just being something linear like Zaxxon. Uh, developers listening to this, um, take note of that. But that would be interesting. And um, Zaxxon was, back in the day, ported to everything. Now, most recently, I have been playing Zaxxon and Super Zaxxon on my Atari 8-bit computer. And Zaxxon on the 8-bit is good but it's harder in my opinion to judge your uh, your height once again the altitude meter is pointless but now it's really hard to see when you're shooting you know your level because it it really looks like you could go through you know the barriers i haven't even gotten to zaxxon on the atari 8-bit version i think the uh, the 8-bit version of super zaxxon is actually even worse because in uh, zaxxon one thing you have 
fast as you can pull that trigger, you can spray that screen with your laser shots. With Super Zaxxon on the 8-bit, you can only get off one shot at a time, and that really makes the game more difficult than it needs to be. And it's interesting that you're mentioning that, because if you think back, was it episode zero when we were talking about that issue of Joystick Magazine that that each of us happened by coincidence to have? Oh, yeah. In that same issue, there was a letter to the editor um, from somebody saying how badly Super Zaxxon I remember that letter! I don't have it in front of me. And he uh, ran off a whole list, and the very first thing he has there, it stinks. Stinks. (laughs) It stinks. (laughs) And in the response, and in the response, the final, the editor, the final thing he uh, said in his response was, and the Super Zaxxon machine we've played has no noticeable order whatsoever. I love it. And something that stuck out to me was that in the letter, the guy said in the original Zaxxon, you, you can destroy everything on the screen. It is possible. Not this guy. <laughs> it is possible. But the thing is, once again, you really got to watch where you are because I try to keep going for that. There's a uh, like like a satellite dish. There's there's several of them. Now, I heard one thing I heard is that if you destroy all the satellite dishes, it'll prevent Zaxxon from shooting out one of his uh, homing missiles during the, the asteroid sequence. I don't know if that's true or not because I've never actually gotten to destroy all of them, but if you try to get that very first one, you really have to time your dive. Otherwise, you'll clip the back of your ship on that opening wall. And I've lost a lot of ships on that opening wall just trying to get that first uh, satellite dish. And it really irritates the crap out of me on that. But we were talking about the, the various home versions. Um, first of all, we got to go to the Atari 2600. I don't think that the Atari 2600 version of Zaxxon is in and of itself a bad game. I agree with you. It is just not Zaxxon. That having been said, somebody has been working on a a better port of Zaxxon for the 2600 Space Raid. It looks pretty good. I've played it a little bit. There's a few gripes I have with it, but overall it's truer Zaxxon for the 2600 than the 2600 Zaxxon was. One thing I keep going on and on about is the, uh, the Coleco version of Zaxxon. Uh, the ColecoVision version of Zaxxon has a lot of differences from the arcade. Uh, the second asteroid doesn't, I don't think, has uh, most of the uh, the wall, the, 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 the laser walls. And instead of all the ground installations, it's just got like these robots that you got to shoot. And uh, there, there's, there are some other differences. Oh, Zaxxon looks totally different. But what Coleco did right was the Atom version of Zaxxon. If you've never played the Coleco Atom version of Zaxxon, get an emulator and play this sucker. It is the best home version of Zaxxon ever. One thing that ColecoVision has, and it's a problem not with just with Zaxxon, but any scrolling game on it, is it scrolls pretty jerkily. And I think that's due to the uh, the graphics processor. I remember back in the day, I actually had an Atom, and I tried programming some stuff, but there was a bug where if you plot a point of say color A, and then you plot a point of color B within an eight pixel row of the first color, the first color, instead of being color A, will take the color B. And it's like that. It's, the, it's a flaw with the uh, the programming chip or with the, the video chip. And I don't know. Some games, they got away, they got around that. And I don't know how they did, but I think that might be why the ColecoVision scrolls so choppily is because of that bug. I think it does look like it, it jumps like eight pixels. That having been said, the Coleco Atom version of Zaxxon is incredible. The first two asteroids are exactly like the ColecoVision version. I mean, they're they're pretty dang close to the arcade, but just with the second asteroid, just instead of having, like I said, all the ground installations, they got these little robot or ships or whatever coming out that you got to destroy. 
But then the Atom version adds several more screens. Uh, there's one called the uh, the Dragon's Teeth, where there's little pyramids up out of the ground, kind of like in what they did with uh, the 7800 Desert Falcon, which is a game I absolutely hate. Then they had another one, which I really liked. The last... I, I don't remember the names of all of them. Either there was one called The Hangar, I believe, uh, but there was one called The Plateaus, where you could actually crash into the ground. Now, in Zaxxon, you, if you're climbing over something, it's always over a wall. But on the Atom version, in the Plateau screen, you could actually crash into the ground because instead of uh, just going over walls, you have these large flat areas at different heights that you had to go through. And it was just, I just thought it was really fun what they did with it. The, uh, the Atom version of Zaxxon has a final boss that you have to destroy. Every second space screen, uh, they don't have the uh, the airplanes. But what they have is like this fortress that comes out that you got to shoot all of the gun installations on, which is really a fun screen. And um, it has the uh, has an ending, uh, like not a screen that says congratulations, but an actual ending animation screen. It has a save feature. You can actually save your progress on the Coleco Atom version, which I thought was really neat. I've spent so much freaking time playing this when I had the Atom that I think I wore like two or three of the tapes out. Emulate this this sucker. Play it to your heart's content. It is the single best home version of the game that's ever been produced. We will link to the Coleco Atom version, a video of the Coleco Atom version of Zaxxon off of YouTube. I think you'll agree this is a it's it's really a, it's really quite the achievement and the the graphics are just so awesome on it. You know what? People get on me for saying you know for having my first computer being a, an Atom, but I mean for the people that put the Atom down back in the day with all of it. And yes, it was a very troubled system, and Coleco was obviously stupid for releasing it at that point in time. But it had some awesome games, uh, some which were never released, some which you can find in prototype format. But um, it was really a nice system. It had a lot of high points. And Coleco really went all out to make good versions. Uh, not good, uh, exceptional versions of games that they had on the uh, ColecoVision for the Atom. And I just thought that uh, th- that system doesn't get the love that it deserves. I mean... I never even heard of that thing until I knew you. There you go. So yeah, Zaxxon was on Coleco. It was out on everything, practically. And going back to what I said before about how I never played Zaxxon until a couple of years ago, I'm talking about any version of Zaxxon, including the board game. I never played Zaxxon in any form. I've only played the arcade game. And a couple of weeks ago, I played the uh, the Atari 2600 game simply to be participating in the 2600 High Score Club on Atari Age. And I gotta say, I really, really like that version. I mean, it's I, I agree, it's it's not really Zaxxon zaxxon but it's a fun play and you can i can actually make some progress on the damn thing too i actually defeated zaxxon at one point and you you brought up the board game i actually had the board game and it was quite interesting because the spots were all like hex shaped there was like little plastic buildings and walls and stuff you know that you would put on the board you would set it up you could only move you roll a dice you could only move forward but the way that your ship was situated you could also move it up one. It was like uh, your spaceship was on a base and you could click it up into position or you could click it down into a lower position. So you could actually also go with altitude. And I thought that was really clever. I mean, pretty much all of those arcade-based board games were kind of meh, but you can't fault them for trying. But I think they really achieved something with the Zaxxon one. I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. 
And I have nothing to add. Well, then maybe you should start subtracting, young man. You know what? Let's move on to our next game. Oh, boy. Uh, I'm not going to say much about this game. Because I absolutely hate this game, and I hate every game in this particular genre of arcade game. And the game we're talking about now is Mortal Kombat. I hate this game with a passion. When we were uh, preparing for this show, I went ahead and uh, I was playing some Zaxxon to see how I could do. Oh, which, by the way, I think uh, my highest score for this week was 8,800. <laughs> okay, all right. Sounds uh, better so, than me, but not that much better. Not that much. I thought you were going to say that you got like 10, 12,000, but... Oh, uh, please. <laughs> but uh, with Mortal Kombat, I didn't even... I didn't even try it. I mean, back in the day, it came out. It was like the thing. I mean, Williams Electronics, and they they had they did Mortal Kombat. Uh, I don't remember if they did it under the Williams name or if they right after they got bought out by Midway or if they merged with Midway. I, but it was basically a Williams game. Yeah, I do believe it actually was under the Midway moniker at that. I point. think so, but it it was obviously programmed by the Williams people. You you could just tell it had the same visual style as Smash TV. Well, not Smash TV, like, uh... No, I think Terminator 2 was a Midway game, too, now that I think about it. Oh, maybe I was wrong on that. Okay, I was thinking it was Williams for some reason, but no, it's Midway. Mortal Kombat. It's it's a one-on-one fighting game where you have a bunch of buttons, and you you move the joystick and mash the buttons, and, you know, hope for the best. Hate this game. I've But I tried playing it because everybody was talking about it, and then it was all over the news because parents are complaining about the, the death scenes in this, like how you could rip a guy's head off and pull his spine out and stuff like that. And Sub-Zero wins fatality. I really wanted to see some of this stuff. And then I'm playing it and I'm like, I'm lucky if I can just get a punch in. And then you go to the stores and you see all these books with all of the moves and, and like how you have to like hold these buttons down, quickly move back and turn the joystick this way, sacrifice a chick and dogs and cats living together. Um, it's, it's, it's insane. And I just cannot play these. I can't play Street Fighter. I couldn't, uh, couldn't even um, do uh, Karate Champ, which was like, if I'm not mistaken, if not the first, one of the earliest in this genre of the one-on-one fighting game. Just absolutely hate it. But I would play it because I wanted to get better at it and see what some of the secrets that the game had. And I actually one day, one day, got past the very first guy on Mortal Kombat. I beat him! And then some butthole puts a token in, hits the two-player button, kills me, and continues on. I never put another token in a Mortal Kombat machine ever since then. Now, a couple years ago, I did go into MAME to play it, but I put all the cheats on so I could finally see, you know, everything that's going on. It's a good-looking game, but it's a big so what to me. I, I don't care. I'm not interested in this, and I can't do it. I just don't like these games. I want to see the violence. I want to see all the blood, and there was a big controversy over the blood. Uh, when they released Mortal Kombat for the Super Nintendo, I believe they censored all the blood out of it, uh, unless you knew what the code was. You know, kind of like, you know, the Konami had the up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, BA, start thing. But there was a secret code for the Super Nintendo version of Mortal Kombat where you could open up the blood. Otherwise, it was just replaced with, like, sweat or spit or something. I don't know. I just, I, I just can't get into these games. I don't like them. I think they're stupid. I mean, if you can, if you can beat it, I mean, more power to you, but you're never going to get me interested in this ever again. Yeah, I think there are something like 18 rounds you have to go through in order to completely beat it. And in one of them, you have to beat yourself. Oh, good night, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> but up, but up, but up. Going back to all the, the controversy and all that uh, wonderful jazz here, 
I do believe that Mortal Kombat is the reason that the rating system now exists for video games. I do believe you are correct. It was more so the home version because obviously how are you going to rate the arcade version? Because arcade operators don't care what you put your money into. With Well, I, I think uh. they're... You know what, though? I think that, that, that is true, though, because some games that we're going to talk about sometime in the future... Uh, actually weren't in your mainstream arcades. We'll just leave it at that. And I know of a, I'm not going to name names, but um, I know of a current arcade that uh, purged itself of a lot of uh, what the arcade owner deemed violent games. Just all of a sudden, I I don't remember what happened that made him decide that, but I think it was uh, one of the schools. (laughs) It's sad that I have to say one of the school shootings. And at that point, he's like, okay, that's it. I'm getting rid of these games. Yeah. I think uh, you commented on that once too, so you might remember that. I'd have to look. I'd have to. I, I, I don't remember waking up this morning. The only reason I know I did is because I'm talking to you right now. Are you sure you woke up? Ow! Yeah, I woke up, and a pinch to grow an inch. And I'm gonna have to agree with you. I feel the same way. Mortal Kombat does nothing for me. It's a good-looking game in terms of how how good the graphics are. And I'll, I'll be straightforward with you. It's boring as hell. It's boring. It's, it, all you do is stand there and, and beat people up and get beaten up. Nothing, that's it. The only thing that keeps you coming back is trying to figure out some of the secrets or some way to, ways to get the fatalities. That's what sold the game. It was otherwise a very, very boring game. I took a trip to Underground Retrocade literally just to play this and Zaxxon to prep for this show, and I could not do it. I played a couple of games of it, and I was like, okay, this is a, this is a cool-looking game. You know, I, I remember playing like the Amiga version back uh-huh. in the day a couple of times, and, and I, think the Sega Gen- I think it was on the Sega Genesis. I think I played that version. And now I remembered why it was only a couple of times. It's just, it's just boring. boring. And none of them offer anything. I mean... The, the, they were the two-player, and I told you my experience with that, but yep. the games don't offer anything. I, I don't find it rewarding. It, maybe it's because I suck at it. I don't know. Nothing to keep me coming back. It's, it's a beautiful-looking game. All of these games are pretty much beautiful-looking games, but they just don't do anything for me. And as long as we're talking about Mortal Kombat, uh, I do have to say this is kind of cool with the uh, the current console versions. I think it was last year, maybe the year before, uh, one of the console versions of Mortal Kombat allowed you to, uh, through downloadable content, which is another is a topic for another episode, <laughs> allowed you to uh, purchase the character of Freddy Krueger, and you could play Mortal Kombat as Freddy, and just this month, maybe it was last month too, you could purchase and download and play as Jason. So I thought that's actually kind of cool. Uh, but th- there was already a um, homebrew PC game I want to think it's called Horror Horror Drome, something like that, where you can actually select many of the classic horror movie slashers to play as. Uh, you can play as Freddy, Leatherface, uh, Michael Myers, uh, Jason, or Zombie Jason, uh, after, you know, after Part 4. There was talk of them adding uh, the Leprechaun and uh, Chucky to the game. I've played that game, and that game is actually kind of fun. You're playing these classic characters that would never show up in a game you know, against each other, but um, it's still basically the same thing. You're just, it, it, it's, uh, I don't know. And Are you thinking of Terrordrome, Rise of the Boogeyman? That's it, Terrordrome. I was thinking Terrordrome, but I'm like, no, that's the uh, that's the hideout of uh, Shredder and Krang and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. 
And about the whole character thing, that's something else that kind of put me off about Mortal Kombat. First thing you do when you start your game is you have to pick which character you're going to be. And I was like, I don't know. I didn't see any information on the panel or anything that says, like, why you would want to choose one character over the other. Like, what are their strengths? What are their weaknesses? You just have to pick somebody. They all have different special moves, but that's really about it. They don't have any sort of, like, special strength or jumping ability or speed or anything. They basically have the same core abilities. It's just the special abilities that, that, that are different. Yeah, and the thing is, it's not obvious that they have these abilities because you're given a joystick on the left, which (laughs) right away kind of irks me. But you have the joystick on the left, and on the right, you have five buttons. You have low punch, high punch, high kick, low kick, and block. And I found that, uh, unless I'm just being bitter and everything, it pretty much decides which button is going to do which at any given time. You know, the only move I could ever find myself doing with any uh, sort of regularity, with any sort of effect, is a jump kick. But there's only so far you can get in the game just by doing a jump kick. Yeah, because eventually your enemy is going to figure out that's all you're going to be doing. God forbid you get to the mirror match where you're going up against yourself. Well, God absolutely forbade that for me. And just like you, I did manage to, uh, at one point, I usually played as Scorpion, and as Scorpion, I actually was able to make it past the first enemy now scorpion he's the yellow one right he's the one I with the don't yellow remember this game left that much of a, of an impression on me i don't even remember i remember my second opponent was Liu kang and he beat the crap out of me Liu kang wins any other time i, I tried Liu kang would beat the total living crap out of me over and over and over so you know what i did i played another game as Liu kang And I got the crap beaten out of me. (laughs) The thing with the characters is I believe it's Scorpion and um, Sub-Zero. They look exactly the same. Um, They they created some sort of a backstory about them being brothers or something. But when in reality, I was reading something about this and I don't remember exactly. Take a drink whenever I say I don't remember. That there was actually something lazy with the programming, which is why they looked so much like each other. Every now and then I would uh, would play as Sonya because... uh, Holy damn, she's hot. I was reading another fun fact that Mortal Kombat was actually started going to be a game that they created with the license of Jean-Claude Van Damme. That's why Johnny Cage kind of looks like him. Uh Uh-huh. It was originally supposed to be Jean-Claude Van Damme. Jean-Claude Van Damme, the video game. Like I believe they had a uh, Jackie Chan game in the arcade. Uh, It was based on the cartoon series of the same name. But yeah, it was supposed to be Jean-Claude Van Damme, which I thought that was actually kind of a cool bit of trivia. And here's a cool bit of trivia that I learned. Combat is misspelled. No. Yeah, apparently you're supposed to spell combat with a C, but the game spells it with a K. You know, it reminds me of that one episode of The Simpsons where Krusty the Clown is having his, uh, <laughs> his big anniversary show. And it was yep. Krusty's comedy classics, and it's all spelled with a K. And he looked in the back. It was live from the Apollo Theater, and you look behind him, it's KKK, and he's like, ugh. <laughs> or it's like the, the, the later seasons of 30 Rock, in which uh, NBC is taken over by a major cable corporation called Cable Town, and it's spelled K-A-B-L-E Town. And every time Jack Donaghy, the big exec, would mention it, he'd say, I have a meeting with Cable Town with a K. <laughs> it, it makes you kind of wonder why they misspell it. Maybe just because they can uh, trademark the name easier. I don't know. I think that's but, the most commonly held theory. Yeah, it, and you know, all of the games were pretty much the same. The, they had different fatalities, uh, and I think in the second one, they had uh, 
at the end, instead of doing a fatality, they had friendships. And in one of them, you could turn your opponents into babies. I think that might have been the third Mortal Kombat. They were called babalities. Oh, that's what that... Okay, because when I was doing some research for this particular episode, I really thought somebody, like, mistyped fatality on a smartphone or something. Nope. So that actually explains something to me. Nope. You can turn them into babies. And you mentioned all these versions of Mortal Kombat. There are a lot of sequels to this game. Currently is Mortal Kombat X on uh, Xbox uh, One and uh, the PS4. I think it's one of those series where they went, you know, one, two, three, four, up to ten, but then they had, like, spinoffs or whatever. In fact, I think Sub-Zero had his own game, and I think there was a couple of others. They did, they, they were, they did like, a side thing, Mortal Kombat, like, Legends or something like that. And I just want to say we are not paid to advertise on this show, so we're not making any money. Although, uh, if anybody wants to make to help us make money, that's absolutely... We, will, we probably won't turn you down but i just wanted to say that and get that out in the air but if you like mortal Kombat games you'll want to go to galloping ghost in brookfield um, if you're in the chicago area at any point take a side trip there one of the rooms over there an entire wall is nothing but all of the mortal Kombat games i believe doc mac is a huge fan of these games and he's even had the cat the mortal Kombat cast members um I don't really know how that actually worked. I don't know if uh, he's referring to, like, the people who are actually rotoscoped. I, ro- did, did they actually he, rotoscope anything? Didn't they? I, I think I remember. Didn't he have the uh, a couple of people that were actually in the game, like, autograph one of the cabs? I think so. I think I remember seeing pictures of this. And I can kind of understand where Doc is going with all this, because I know, I, I think... Um, he also runs a production company and that kind of specializes in, I guess, that kind of entertainment, that kind of action. And as I cannot talk right now, <laughs> but I think it's highly related to like some kind of uh, uh, video projects he does. So it kind of explains a lot there. You know, that would be, as much as I, I hate Mortal Kombat and the Mortal Kombat games, I think it would be interesting to see some sort of a... Um a documentary about the uh, the actors that were in the games. I think that would be actually quite interesting. I totally agree with you on that. One thing we forgot to mention is there were two Mortal Kombat movies. Uh, I saw both of them in the theater, and I was... I enjoyed both of the Mortal Kombat... I think there's actually been a third one since then, but uh, I enjoyed both the first two Mortal Kombat movies. Mortal Kombat and then Mortal Kombat Annihilation. And I remember walking out of the theater for Mortal Kombat, saying to the uh, the friend I went to the movie with, Wow, this movie is so much better than the games. The games sucked. And I saw somebody in front of me turn around and go, What? Who said that? <laughs> the movies I thought were good, cheap, escapist entertainment. Christopher Lambert, uh, I believe he was uh, the High... Was he the Highlander? Uh, he played Raiden in the, uh, in the movie. And, uh, of course, him being Oriental. That was, you know, there's something else there I've always been kind of wondering about. Is Raiden like a common Japanese thing? Because you see that name crop up in various different kinds of games. First of all, there's obviously he was in Mortal Kombat, but then there was also the um, the quite well done um, shoot 'em ups, uh, the Raiden arcade games, which were just shoot 'em ups. Which um, I want to talk about those sometime in the future. Those were fun games. So I'm kind of wondering what there is, uh, if there what what the deal is with that. If anybody knows, email us. Um, I kind of like to. I'm kind of interested in the story because I'm actually too lazy to Google it. Yeah, I just want to touch one more bit upon choosing a character, and that kind of made me think while I was playing this. 
how do they record the scores in these things? Because, um, you know, I, I, I didn't check Orcade.com. Whenever I think I'm going to beat one of my scores, like whether I'm at Galloping Ghost or Underground Retrocade, I have the staff referee it for me. They witness it and, you know, record it on Orcade.com for me. So I was thinking, oh, God, how are they going to do this? And, uh, you know, Scott had said, well, you know what? We don't actually record scores for fighter games. I was like, oh, okay, that makes it even easier. Because it's like, okay, because uh, my score, my highest score was 291,000. Oh, wow. You want to hear, oh, wow? The world record is 13,724,500. Wow. That's only after beat, that's only after successfully beating up one enemy, by the way, that my score, so... so. What's that one problem I have with these games? And, I, and, and it's is, like, is okay, the... yeah, I did that, but would I be able to do that with another character? So that's why I was wondering, Is it do, do the scores depend on the characters? Are there separate tracks on arcade.com for different characters, which there don't appear to be? But I, I'm thinking that's got to be a nightmare to, to record. But You know, I, I'm kind of curious, how does the scoring work in these games? What is the scoring? How is that determined? It just seems to be arbitrary to me at this point. Yeah, I have no fiking clue. That's something else worth looking into, or is it? Because I don't like these games. I don't like any of them. And I didn't like it either. And, you know, and I'm going to be honest with you. You heard me before talk about when I was talking about Zaxxon, how I just can't, I, I always get, I don't like Zaxxon. And people are going to listen to this and say, oh, you just don't like it because you can't score very well on it. That is not true at all. There are some games that I absolutely suck at, that I absolutely love. Like those Williams games, you know, Sinistar, Defender. I suck at those games, but man, I love playing them. They're, they're, they're fantastic. These two games, not so much. I mean, Zaxxon, it was, it's a nice-looking game. It's a nice-sounding game. I just don't like it because I, can't, I cannot see any possible way to get anywhere on it. Defender, I can. I can see how it's possible. Sinistar, I can. But... Zaxxon, I can't. Mortal Kombat, I can absolutely see how you can go far in this game, but it is just boring. Boring as hell. I remember many years ago, when Jim, sometime after Jim and I first met, we were talking about how we, we love these classic games, and I was saying, okay, now, now Jim and I had met, uh, don't ask me why I remember the date, but it was July 25th, 1992, right before I started college, and sometime shortly after that, we were just talking about these games, and I was saying, okay... Modern games now, they look amazing. They look fantastic. They have the great, they have amazing sound. But why do we keep defaulting to the old ones that we played back in the early 80s? And I remember your answer was, yeah, you have, you have great graphics now. You have great sound now. But the gameplay just isn't the same. And that's exactly what's going on with Mortal Kombat. The gameplay is just repetitive. If you're lucky enough to be able to repeat and it, it's just the same thing over and over and over with, let's be honest, not a heck of a lot going on. It's just two characters standing around and fighting each other. That's it. There's no maze. There's no space that you're flying around. No sky. No nothing. You, your opponent, and some spectators. And that's it. You know, chiming in on what you were saying about what I supposedly said, but once again, I can't remember. Or things or stuff insert your favorite word here it's not only the gameplay but the games became quarter munchers to see how they, they were no longer games of skill they, they just came exactly they turned into see you know how many quarters could you can you put into this thing before you actually win it and that really really turned me off the thing with mortal Kombat is you not only had to feed quarters into it but you also had to be skillful so it was a quarter muncher but it, you got nowhere unless you were good at the game 
I well, hate that's you. true with I any game you. that you're you get nowhere unless you're good at it. But yes, but sometimes they'll give you like a bit of a heads up. You can continue on in the game, especially if there's like a scrolling type game or shoot 'em up like uh, uh, Terminator Two. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. The, Mortal Kombat's a quarter muncher, but you have to be extremely skilled to take advantage of the quarter munching. Not just skilled, extremely skilled. Of course, nowadays with modern arcades, you don't have to worry about quarter munchers. But hey. And not only is it a quarter muncher, it's a quarter muncher, it's a quarter muncher, I can't even say quarter muncher anymore, it is a quarter muncher button masher, say that ten times fast. I'm sorry, any video game, arcade game, that you have to go out and buy a 100 page, full color, glossy manual to learn how to play, is just not worth it to me. You know how I learned how to play my, uh, yeah, I'm sounding like I'm 90 years old here, but you know how I learned how to play games by watching them. By watching them and reading the instructions on the panel that had maybe two complete sentences <laughs> and a couple of fragments. I don't like, know. Avoid I... ghosts. Eat pill. Eat ghosts. Run. Simple. Simple stuff. You know, I don't really think I have much more to say on Mortal Kombat other than I hate the game. It sucks. Don't like any of that kind of genre. I mean, I'll play beat-em-ups like Double Dragon type games till the cows come home. There's a lot of good titles in that sort of thing. There you had the uh, the Simpsons and the Ninja Turtles and then, then the Double Dragon games, Bad Dudes, Karnov, that sort of thing. But not this one-on-one fighter stuff. Sorry. Don't like it. Never have. Never will play them again. Well, I can't say that. Maybe I'll play them in main, but I'll have all the cheats turned on. Well, for me, it's got to be different enough. Mortal Kombat isn't different enough. There is a fighter game that I that I did play quite frequently on the Amiga back in the day. I think it was called Barbarian, which I think was oh, a sequel. Barbarian! I think I know this one. Um, The European title was like Death Sword or something like that. That's it. Yeah, Death Sword was I the had first it. one. Barbarian was the sequel. I had, Thank you. had it on my Atari ST computer. And I actually did enjoy that game. That one was different enough, and it was so easy to just... Chop oh, the other guy's head clean off. What I seem to remember, uh, you pull back, pull back the, on you, the you, stick, you hit the button, pull back in the stick, and press not, the no, button. I'm sorry, exactly. Not pull back, pull the opposite direction of what you're facing, hit the button. Right. When you go, and the guy's head right off. All right, now, uh, dear listeners, I want to do something. I'm going to put Jim on the spot here Uh-oh. right now. I'm going to ask him something that maybe I should have asked way back on episode one, uh, two episodes ago. If you were to rate this game on a scale of say one to five, how would you rate it? Uh, negative one. Okay, great. And I would, I would just plain rate it as, as one. Just one. I mean, not negative one because hey, there's got to be something valuable about it. If there's an arcade, if one, if probably the biggest arcade in the country, or at least the second biggest, has an entire row dedicated to this stuff, there's got to be something I'm missing. So I'll give it the benefit of the doubt and, and give it the lowest possible positive rating. I absolutely love Zaxxon, even though I suck at it. I'll give it a four. Yeah, I'm going to give it a two, and I already talked about why. Firefox. Firefox, this is on zero to five. I give it a five. Well, one to five, really, but... Oh, one to five. I'll give it a five. Firefox, I'm going to give it a cautious four. I'm going to say cautious because I can only see it. I couldn't actually play it. Zookeeper. Oh, if that one's a five easily. Me too. Um, Donkey Kong 3. I'll give that a four. Me too. Four. Uh, Donkey Kong. <laughs> I'll give that a three. Yeah, that's... I'm going to give it a four, but I think it's only prejudice because between episode zero and episode one, I think we had like four weeks or something between recordings, so I played that game a lot, and I kind of got addicted to it. I mean, you got to give it props first thing. I just give it a three because I was just no good at it back in the day. I'm a lot better at it now, but... 
Me too. I don't know. I think I'll just give it a three. Yeah, I mean, I'm. I don't rate games based on how good I am. It's based on, I, for me, the playability. Really, yeah, that's what I. That's and you gotta thing. factor frustration into a lot of that, which is why Mortal Kombat's rated so low. With and with that, I think we should probably close it up here. I think we got enough content for an hour long show, maybe more. Well, that's the beauty with digital editing. We can slow it down a little if we don't think we have enough material. And we forgot to mention what games we're gonna do next week. So I think we had agreed on this. We actually hadn't planned this out because we got a whole spreadsheet of themes and games, but we just came up with this one today. What game? Speaking of themes. Oh, we didn't talk about this week's theme. It's probably obvious to people right now what the theme is, but still, what's the theme? This week's theme is games we suck at and hate with a passion. Games that we suck at, but not necessarily both hate with a passion. I don't think Jim hates Zach's son with a passion. No, that's true. But uh, you hate Zach's son, but we both hate Mortal Kombat. What are we going to talk about uh, for episode four? Now, you had a suggestion. Well, yeah, and I'm still waiting for a report back whether you actually did that to yourself. Your suggestion was Clax, and mine was Crystal Castles. But uh, I think uh, people will, will get it once we do this, because uh, you were looking for a way to work Clax in, and I've been looking for a way to work Crystal Castles in without either of them being quite obvious, and neither one of those are going to be... We found a not-quite-obvious theme for both these games. Unless maybe we're just that ignorant. Well, that's a given. Morris, Illinois, Jimmy G. In Chicago, Illinois, this is uh, Sean. And we will talk to you all again in roughly another weekish or so. So, bye bye Toodles. This episode of the Pie Factory podcast was edited and produced by Hyde St. Pierre. Opening and closing theme is The Happy L, composed by Sean Courtney. Jim and Sean can be contacted on Facebook via the Pie Factory podcast page, over email at piefactory at fab4it.com, or over Twitter at piefactorypfp. Visit the Pie Factory podcast on the web via Flark at flark.it slash piefactory.